Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our weekly message. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. To connect with our church family and to watch our live streams, please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc. Man, how many feel good in your soul this morning? How many alive this morning? How many is tired this morning? More people saying amen on tired. You know, always people say, cut up with you. Say, well, you know, Pastor, I can't make it this morning. I always say, I'm so glad that Jesus made it down to Via Della Rosa. Amen. Come on, you with me? Let's, um, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. I, um, I know that a lot of people have, you're going to eat with family and whatever, but I want to share something with you that's um, really been on my heart uh, for a while. Um, how many enjoyed last Sunday with uh, Pastor Mitch and I on the stage? was uh, really, really good. And so, uh, but we're glad you're here. We're going to go in Matthew chapter 6. I want to talk. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm not a traditional guy just to preach on the birth of Jesus at Christmas. And um, I, we are thankful for the resurrection. But I, I do want to, I, I am going to preach on the subject this morning of the power of forgiveness. And so I believe that is the central theme of the gospel, that God uh, forgave us. And I want to preach this morning of really living a lifestyle of forgiveness. You with me? So, Father, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that this is the day that you have made, and we are gathered here to rejoice in it, Father. Father, I pray this morning that you would open up our ears to hear. You would open up our eyes to see. And, Father, by your Spirit, Lord, you would cause the Word of the Lord to be ingrained into us, God. It would be engraved on our hearts this morning. And, Father, even though this is a difficult subject that we're about to approach, we ask you for your grace. It was only when you told the disciples that they must forgive seven times 70 that they cried out for faith. Father, they didn't ask for faith when you told them to go heal the sick, cast out devils, and, and, and to raise the dead. But they did cry out for faith when you said, we got to forgive somebody seven times 70. So this morning, I'm asking you to increase our faith. I'm, I'm speaking for the one holding the mic, that you would increase my faith in this area. And Lord, let us walk in the power of forgiveness. I pray that, Lord, throughout this journey and that we've been on, Lord, over the past few months, that you would lead all of us into transformation. We would all know what it's like to live in the true freedom that you promised us in Jesus' name. How many is after that? How many is after the true freedom of the Lord? Are you with me? We sing about it in church. We talk about it. But it's one thing to talk about it. It's a whole other thing to walk about it. So let's get into Matthew chapter 6. I have not forgot about the offering. I am a great pastor. I will remember that. We'll take it up in a little while. Matthew chapter 6. Let's go in verse 5. reading out the Passion Translation. He says, whenever you pray, be sincere and not like pretenders who love attention. They receive while praying before others in the meetings and on the street corners. Believe me, they've already received in full their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your innermost chamber and be alone with, the, with Father God, praying to Him in secret. And your Father who sees all you do will reward you openly. And when you pray, there is no need to repeat, to repeat empty phrases, praying like those who do not know God. 
for they expect God to hear them because of their many words. There is no need to imitate them. Uh, There is no need to imitate them. Since your father already knows what you need before, you ask him, pray like this. Our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, and may the glory of your name be the center of which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Man, that's awesome, ain't it? Forgive us of the wrongs we have done. Look at this. Forgive us of the wrongs that we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Look at this two-way street. You and I celebrate the, celebrate the freedom this morning of everything that Jesus paid for us. That's available in this room. Do you believe that this morning? When he cried out on the cross, Junior, in Matthew 27, he said it is finished. He completed everything that you and I would need that pertains to life and godliness. Ephesians 1 says that. He hath blessed us already with everything that pertains to life and godliness. We're not waiting on God to do something this morning. He's already done something. He is waiting for us as a church to step into the reality of what he's already provided. So look at this. He said, forgive us of the wrongs we have done. In other words, Father, forgive me for messing up, but what is my part in that? As I forgive, to the, as I release forgiveness to those who have wronged us, rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power, glory, and forever. Amen. And when you pray, look right here again. He says, and when you pray, make sure, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. Did you read, you reading this with me? Look at this. And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold, but if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. Oh, did we read this correct? Can we read it one more time? You okay this morning? I'm not going to preach but an hour and a half, okay? He says, and when you pray... Make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. So what I wanted, what I found, I'm just going to be honest with you. We've been on a journey. Kathy and I have been on a journey together. She's in one uh, vein of teaching, uh, but it's really colliding all, all together. Uh, when she started the Revelation Wellness, Allison's already been through it, and um, and so it was it was it's geared from fitness, <clears throat> and um, especially those watching the live stream said, "What does this man know about fitness?" <laughs> I know it takes a lot to fit me. I know that a lot of cotton, okay? So I do know that about fitness. So, um, but it's about losing its, it's approaches in fitness. But it's about losing the weight, not about necessarily the pounds on the scale, but the weight that does so easily beset us. 
And we went over that in Hebrews 12. I love the way Brian Simmons pulls out Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. He talks about the arrow tips of life that have pierced the armor and to begin to weigh us down. How many knows that it is impossible to live this life, whether, whether you're in church or out of church, it's just impossible to live life without offenses coming to us? Now, I love the book that John Vivere wrote called The Bait of Satan, and he talked about offenses, um, and, and he, he used that as the Greek word uh, for offense. is literally a place where you would put uh, bait on a, in a trap to lure an animal to come in. So we know that it does bring entrapment to us, but sometimes it's, it's very difficult. So what I found in my own personal study, and I'm just going to be real honest, that I walk in forgetfulness more than I walk in forgiveness. I'm finding that I walk in forgetfulness more than I walk in forgiveness. Now, one of the things that's helped me is through listening to a podcast with Catherine one day, I found that where, where Elisa Keaton was inter interviewing somebody and they were talking about the Enneagram. And, and they, they wrote a book called Finding the Way Back to You or whatever. And it goes through these different personalities deal. And one of the things that I found out in my personality, being an eight was a challenger, is that that challengers always see the facts. Other words, they're facts to us regardless of whether you want to believe them or not. And so we had the personality where I know the truth, I have the facts, and this is what it is. But how many knows that, that God called us to a higher standard than just to hold our own facts? Are you with me now? Anybody in this room, a quick read over 1 Corinthians 13 would challenge us all to the core, and it raises the bar where we must live and move at in love. And here's the thing. God doesn't want us flowing out of the old nature. He wants us flowing out of the new nature because you and I are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. So I want to talk from these lines this morning, okay? So, so in this, our most common response to emotional pain is to lash out in anger fix blame and seek to punish the ones who we hold responsible for our hurt. How many knows that is a natural human response when you do something wrong? Are you with me now? Is the most common response to emotional pain is to lash out in anger, get ticked off, want to beat somebody down. We say it like this, I, I forgive him, but I don't like him. Y'all ain't going to help nobody up in here. That's all right. Listen to this. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not easy, but it is possible. Listen to this. I said forgiveness is a choice. It's not easy, but it's possible. Focusing on someone else's sin blinds us, binds us to our own failings and helps us, and it helps us to seem less responsible for the hurtful place we are in. What I found to be true because I've not dealt with my own stuff, it causes me to wound other people. Come on, somebody. And we, and then we wonder why. Why is relationships not working out for us? We know this, that hurt people begin to hurt people. You take a dog that's been wounded and you reach out to try to help him. A lot of times he will bite you back. And I just feel like that, man, I just don't want to spend another year talking about the goodness of God, talking about what's possible. I want to try to lead us in as a group to this place where we can really begin to live in this place of wholeness. Y'all right? So focusing on someone else's sin blinds us to our own failings. So one of the things when I become offended or I get hurt 
And I know that God's called me to release forgiveness, but a lot of times what the enemy will do is he will replay over and over what happened to get you to focus on the very thing that happened. And one of the things we must remember when we're trying to remove the small bit of dust out of our neighbor's eye, there's a whole lot of specks in our own eyes. Come on, somebody. All right. I knew it was going to go, but I knew it was going to go down. Kelly's like, man, we thought it was getting a good Easter message, and you're going to preach this. Romans 2, verse 1, y'all all right? Jesus demonstrated for us. He demonstrated for us on the cross when he was beaten and stricken by the ones that he gave his life for at the Last Supper was there, and they all abandoned him. And he cried out from the cross in that moment. He said, Father, forgive them. When he chose that as his pathway, listen, he opened not his mouth because if he would have opened his mouth, then he would have took his case out of the hands of the Father. And one of the things that we got to understand is when we forgive someone, it doesn't mean we pardon them. A pardon is you released of all the punishment. When when the president pardons someone, they can no longer be tried for that. You and I, when we release forgiveness, we release them of the punishment we think that they deserve. But we leave our case in the hands of the Father. Come on, somebody. Knowing that he is a righteous judge and he can bring vindication in his own time if he chooses to vindicate us. But the Jesus on the cross looked at his Father and said, Father, into into your hands I commit my spirit. I trust you with my life. He said, Father, forgive them opening not his mouth because he he trusted that the father would vindicate his case so you and I have to live the same way so let's look at this verse of scripture in Romans 2 1 hold up right there Grant I'll pick it back up in just a minute Romans 2 1 look at this verse of scripture he says no matter who you are before you judge the wickedness of others you had better remember this look at his words right here You better remember this. You are also without excuse. Who? I am. We are also without excuse, for you two are guilty of the same kind of things. When you judge others and then you do the same things they do, you condemn yourself. We know that God's judgment falls upon those who practice these things. God is always right because he has all the facts. What I'm I don't got the facts. Who's got all the facts? Man, y'all ain't going to help nothing up in here. I don't know. Y'all ready to go hunt Easter eggs or whatever? Can y'all at least smile? That way I know y'all live. I mean, I think we need to call Purvis down here. Junior, go call him. We got some dead folk down here. Listen to this. We know that the judgment falls upon those who practice these things. God is always right because he has all the facts. And no matter what you think you are, who you think you are, when you judge others who, who do these things and then you do the same things yourselves, what makes you think that you will escape God's judgment? So look at this. No matter who you are, before you judge the wickedness of others, you had better remember this. You are also without excuse, for you too are guilty of the same kind of things. So one of the things that has helped me is to see this. If Matt, if Matt does something to me, I, before I come to judgment, of him but before I become offended and let it go down in my heart I want to tell you about the stages listen your heart is like a garden that's why Proverbs 4 says guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life where are the issues we're struggling coming from they're coming out of the heart and what happens is when we don't choose to walk in forgiveness forgiveness according to Hebrews chapter 12 can turn into bitterness and it becomes it starts as a root system and when it becomes bitter the Bible says 
says in Hebrews chapter 12, it defiles many. Let me say this. All church splitting, all church problems into family and family problems is a result of not choosing the path of forgiveness. I said all family problems, let me just say like all relationship problems is a result of not choosing the path of forgiveness. How many knows if you've been married for any length of time, this has to be practiced in the marriage or you don't have a marriage? Catherine has to choose to forgive. And I have to choose to forgive more than she. No, I'm cutting up right there. All right. So we can't control the attitudes and behaviors of other people, but we can make right choices for ourselves. Just because someone else lowers the bar and the standard doesn't mean that I lower the bar and standard to match what they've done to me. I've always teach my kids this. You cannot control what someone else does, but you can control what you do because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That means you can tell yourself what to do and you can do it. Are you with me now? So we cannot control what someone else does, but I can control how I respond. That's why we call first responders, uh, we don't call them first reactors. Every time we move in a reaction, we will most likely sin. Come on, somebody. And just because you angered about something doesn't mean you sin. The Bible says be angry and sin not. I can get ticked off without sinning if I respond in the correct way. But, but I will be honest, I have gotten angered and taken it over into sin. Y'all probably ain't never did that, but I have. I remember a story one time, Pastor Dale saying that uh, uh, Jill's pocketbook got stolen at the movie theater. And I remember him preaching this message in here. You remember that? He said, if you could stay up all night trying to call all these credit card companies and get, and get a person on the phone without cussing, you're a better man than I. So we've all... We've all fallen short of the glory of God. I cannot, I cannot do nothing about what, what they're going to do, but I can respond how I do it. Look at this verse of Scripture in Luke 23. I, I, will, uh, I will quote this. I've already have Luke 23, verse 34. While they're nailing Jesus to the cross, Jesus prays, Father, forgive them. That is the standard. He set the standard for us. Every speck of dust we see in the eye of the brother or sister must be measured against the great splatters of much of, 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 of much that cloud my own vision. So when I look at you and I'm trying to remove the dust out of your eyes, it must be measured against the splatter that's in my own life. And what I found to be true, there's any relationship can be restored if both people go into that relationship in humility and are willing to hear each other out. What does not bring restoration is when I have to be right in the matter. And I struggle with this. I still struggle with this in my marriage. I'm preaching honest right here. Catholic can stand up and tell you. He's tell, I used to have to. She said, what, what makes you got to have the final say? What made me always want to have the final say is this one issue called pride. I had to be right. If someone is going for restoration in a relationship and you have pride and arrogance in that and you have to be right, I can go ahead and tell you that probably restoration will not take place. But if you go in with a listening heart willing to hear where the other person's at, come on, y'all, willing to hear where the other person's at. This is something that we don't practice in church. 
We're all guilty. The Bible says in Matthew 18, when someone has done us wrong, that we're to go to that person to try to work it out. Is that what the Bible says? But we don't do that. We go to our, we, we, we go to our posse. They go to their posse. And everything, and what happens is now we have opened the door to the devil and the relationship gets annihilated. God's heart is always restoration. This is the whole reason why Jesus came to the cross. Most of us walk in forgetfulness instead of forgiveness. The issues of bitterness and anger remain hidden in the depths of the heart until it gets triggered. Now, I'm going to show you how we know that we have walked in forgiveness. But how many knows that there are things that trigger these emotions within our heart? Someone starts talking about the person. We join in to help them go ahead and put them down in the dirt. Y'all ain't never did that. I know y'all don't do that, but I'm just saying yeah, how I've seen it done in the past. Never seen it here, but how I've seen it done in the past. We say that we're walking in forgiveness and somebody starts running David down and I feel a need to join into the conversation. And then I add my two cents about how bad David is. And when he, we leave, David is now about this high because we put him down into the dirt. And how many knows that that did not honor God's kingdom, but it honored the enemy's kingdom? I'm just telling you, I'm having to do a lot of repenting. All right. Now, the only way, Matt quoted this, the only way there can be any forgiveness is by the shedding of blood, right? And so forgiveness, for me to walk in forgiveness, I must have a daily walk or a lifestyle of going to the cross for victory. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, what? You'll pick up your cross. Not you'll go gaze at the cross, but that you'll pick up your cross and you'll follow after me. So forgiveness starts by me going to the cross and saying, Father, I want to be honest about where I'm at. I'm not, I don't like Matt. I don't want to eat with Matt. I don't want to see Matt, but I'm asking you because your word commands me to walk in forgiveness. Help me to learn how to deal with these things. And Matt's had to do that about me because, I mean, we'd be honest about that. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. He has. I might not want to get all that honest in here. Better quit. He said, man, I'll kill you. <laughs> How many knows that's not the heart of the Father? Huh? You Really? I'm just saying the depth of some of us. When you go to Hardy's and they pull you up to the white line and you've been sitting there for 30 minutes. Huh? Come on now. Sir, sir, we'll hand you your drink. Can, can we pull you up to the white line? You with me? I pulled up at a restaurant here the other night and sat there for 45 minutes and then they got the order all wrong and just told me, could I just live with what I got? Huh? Can you just, can you just eat what you got? That's what they said. After sitting there for 45 minutes, could you, can you just eat what you got? I said, thank you, Lord. I'll be fasting tonight. But we left. You with me? And, I, and Asher was in the front seat. I didn't fail the test. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. In every relationship, be, be swift to choose peace over competition. Look at this. In what every relationship, whether that's your marriage, that's your friends, your coworkers, your church, whatever, be what? Swift to choose peace over competition. And run swiftly 
toward holiness. What do we learn about holiness? Holiness is not whether you got long sleeves, not whether you got makeup on, not whether you got a dress, but wholeness is what? Being whole. I want you and run swiftly toward becoming whole. In other words, what he's, what he's challenging is don't allow that thing to sit there and fester. Don't allow that thing to get lodged in your heart because I'm telling you, when you've done wrong, I will show you the first thing that happens is you become bruised. Just because you become bruised doesn't mean that you're lodged in your heart. It's lodged in your heart. This is where Peter was instructed that you got to forgive seven times 70. These are unintentional things that happen. These are just like me running to town, and I didn't know that Catherine was at home, and I got all of us something to eat, and I forgot to get her something to eat. How many knows that was not intentional? It was unintentional on my part, and I say, Catherine, will you forgive me? If she moves swiftly towards wholeness and forgiveness, that will only be a bruise, and, and it's, it's gone away momentarily. All right, here's some other things. I'm just being real practical about life. I don't know what it is about men, but most men can't take the laundry and get it into the basket. I'm probably not the only one. Huh? <laughs> And she used to get me in our marriage because I wouldn't put the top back on the toothpaste. You with me? These are little things. But how many knows I'm not intentionally, I'm not intentionally not putting the laundry in the basket or I'm not intentionally leaving the toothpaste off because I got hatred towards her or because I'm trying to just hurt her to see how deep I can cut. These are unintentional things that are happening that, that she's got to move to a pathway of forgiveness that if not, it will grow into something greater down in the heart. Are you with me? So he's instructing us, move swiftly towards peace. That's why I love, I, I, will, I always take my relationship issues. I'll call Pastor Junior because he is a nine. He's a peacemaker. And he'll always say, well, I see it like this. But I, and Pastor Junior can stand up. What I tell you? This is the facts. I'm going to go to the facts. You know what I'm saying? If Danny calls you, this is the facts. You with me? But God's encouragement to us as believers, listen, you can either choose to act out of your old nature or you can embrace your new nature in Christ. Come on, somebody, which is choosing swiftly to move towards peace and swiftly to move towards wholeness. You got me? Y'all right? All right. Where are we at right here? All right. For those who are not holy will not, what? See the Lord. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. Bitterness is like an apple that is going bad that you got in the midst of a bunch of other apples. How many knows that that rottenness on that apple will spoil the whole bunch if you do not remove it? Are you with me now? You can tell when people's got bitterness lodged in their heart. They're negative. They see everything from a negative standpoint. Come on, someone. You can have bitterness towards yourself and the way you look, that every time you look at yourself, you despise something on your body. You shame yourself because of something that has become lodged in the heart called bitterness towards your own self. And let's just be honest. Sometimes the hardest people to forgive is to forgive yourself. All right. You all right? Now, John Sanford teaches that there's four levels of wounding that require forgiveness. Number one, I've already hit on just momentarily, is a bruise. 
A bruise is a surface-level wounding that can be healed easily if treated promptly. Bruises are abrasions that require forgiveness moment by moment. These are unintentional hurts. Didn't mean to do it. I'm sorry. Y'all right? Let's look at this in Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. Luke 17, let's start in verse 1. One day Jesus told his disciples this, betrayals are inevitable. Are you kidding me? I thought the church, I thought the church, I thought the church was a nice place. And he's going to instruct his disciples in this way. Betrayals are inevitable. We ought to put that in our bulletin on our website. We want to welcome you to Cornerstone, but we want to tell you up front, betrayals are inevitable. We will hurt you. Just give us the time. This is what he's telling them. How many's got that on their website? Come join our youth ministry, whatever. Betrayals are inevitable. What a call out. Let's post that. Somebody tweet that out. Betrayals are inevitable. Welcome to church. All right, look at this. Betrayals are inevitable, but great devastation will come to the guilty one of betraying others. It will be better for him to have a heavy boulder tied around his neck and he hurled into the deepest sea than to face the punishment of betraying one of my dear ones. So be alert to your brother's condition. Look at this. Be alert to your brother's condition. And if you see him going in the wrong direction, you see that you see him starting to get cynical. You see him, you see him starting to get bitter. You need to warn him, hey, man, you got to do some work in your heart right here. All right? And if you see him going the wrong direction, cry out and correct him. If there's true repentance on his part, forgive him no matter how many times in one day your brother sins against you and says, I'm sorry, I'm changing, forgive me. With me? I'm sorry, I'm changing, forgive me. You need to forgive him each and every time. Upon hearing this, the apostle said to Jesus, Lord, you must increase our measure of faith. They never cried out for faith when he instructed them to go raise the dead. They did not cry out for faith when he said, go preach the gospel of the kingdom. Heal the blind. Heal the sick. Cast out demonic demons. He said, Lord, you got to forgive him every time he comes. Oh, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Let me say this. I don't believe that forgiveness can be done just on your own willpower. I believe it takes the grace of God at work in our life and the love of Christ coming, me being baptized in his love over and over and allow his brokenness to come upon my own heart that will lead me into forgiveness. You with me? So a bruise is an unintentional wound that... Is an unintentional hurt that someone does is, is completely is completely unintentional. We didn't mean to leave you out, but we did. We forgot to call you, and we're sorry. We, I didn't see you with your hand outstretched, and I forgot to shake your hand. I've had people leave the church because we forgot to shake their hand. 
You, you got to preach a message like it's all Easter and Christmas, you know what I'm saying, because you got to hit the creasters, you know what I'm saying? It's the only time of year we're going to see them. So we got to give them the gospel truth here. Hear me? It's an unintentional hurt. You got to move swiftly towards wholeness and forgiveness. It's unintentional. Nobody meant to do that. They did not deliberately say, hey, man, this, this, this bald-headed guy that just pulled through the line here, he's a little heavy. We need to create, give him a salad instead of a chicken breast. They didn't do it intentional. You with me? Every time we go to Hardy's in the morning times, my children love a, a chicken biscuit. I, that must be not common to sell many chicken biscuits because I think they only cook two like per morning. You know what I'm saying? So I know that they're going to get us three chicken biscuits. Watch it. We pull into the line. We're going to pull to the line. And so I had to prepare my heart myself before I ever get to Hardy's. I got to look at the watch and say, you know, get, allow 20 minutes for them to cook a chicken bread. Put it on a biscuit. Uh, these are unintentional wounds, okay? Forgiveness for life's constant unintentional hurts is not only necessary discipline, but it is what keeps the joy of love in relationships. Listen to what I said. Forgiveness for life's constant unintentional hurts is not only necessary discipline, but it is what keeps the joy of love in relationships. Let me say this. We do not see life as it is, but the way we perceive that it is. So a lot of times the unintentional hurts are really coming from the unhealed areas in my own heart that I perceive someone is doing this to me. That's good. Number two is a cut. A cut is a little bit different than a bruise. And a cut will uh, take some attentions. Uh, probably some, uh, someone else helping you with a cut than versus just a bruise. I remember uh, this was maybe a couple years ago now. It may be longer than that, maybe three years ago now. Uh, someone got, you know, if you're down here in the south, your guy, uh, we love case pocket knives. It's a popular gift to give a uh, a guy, a case pocket knife. Well, someone gave John Bentley a case sodbuster, brand new case sodbuster. I think it was your brother gave him the case sodbuster, whatever. So uh, we're we're all at at my house. My nephews is there, and at one o'clock in the morning, I, I mean, I've, somebody's tapping me on the shoulder, and it's John Bentley. He said, "Do we have any band aids?" And I said, "What do you need a band aid for?" He said, "Cause he said I got a cut on my finger." Well. I mean, so I'm, I, you know, I'm, they're, they're up or whatever. I mean, I had no idea he had a case sod buster out, okay? I mean, he's kids. So anyhow, I go to the bathroom, and there's a towel. The towel's soaked with blood. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, son, I cut the lights on, and there he's cut almost to the bone. Remember, we, we go to let uh, Allison is our family nurse. We go over there, and she said, he's got to have stitches. How many knows that that's a bruise is different than a cut? Now, here, in, in, when we're talking about forgiveness, a cut is an intentional, is something that happens intentional. Now, a person's done went beyond, I didn't mean to do it. They know what they were doing, and they did it anyhow. But here in a cut, God still demands I move swiftly into forgiveness. Y'all, this ain't easy. I'm just telling I'm, I'm, I'm praying. I, this is, I'm a person that is at work. You know what I'm saying? I had to go to somebody even, even early this morning and say, you know what, I was wrong Thursday. Because I'm really realizing that I'm in forgiveness. Here, a cut is not, it's not an unintentional hurt. This is an intentional hurt. I, they know what they were going to do. They, they, they took, they, they all went to hog and bones, and every one of them got a plate. They knew you was hungry, and they forgot left you out on purpose. And they will watch you fast. But God commands us to still walk in forgiveness. You okay? 
Now let's look at this right here. All right. A cut is a more serious wound that perhaps was inflicted intentionally. The hurt produces immediately personal pain, and it will require special treatments to achieve forgiveness and healing. Hurts that cause crisis for forgiving usually, usually have three char characteristics. The hurt is personal, the wounding act seems very unfair, and the pain is felt very deeply. An example of this, you've worked hard in your area of field. You're, you're excelling or whatever. Your supervisor tells you you're all that in a bag of chips, and when they got time to promote somebody, they went and got someone that you, you've been there for five years, but they hired somebody three months ago, and that three-month worker got the job promotion that you thought you got. How many know something just happened to you that hurt you deeply? Now, here's the thing that's going to happen. If you don't deal with that immediately, Within the days and weeks of overcoming that, in days of overcoming that, starting to deal with that, I'm not saying you got to have it freshly out of your mind three days afterwards, but I'm saying if you don't begin to deal with that, what's going to happen is that, that hurt is fixing to start growing in your heart. It's going to put root systems down, and every time you talk to it about somebody else, how sorry the supervisor is, how sorry the coach was. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm just pulling my own sin out this morning. How sorry my wife was because of that. What happens is, is it's like miracle grow, watering that seed, and those roots are going deep into your heart, and eventually the job that you loved, you're now going to hate. Because offense is this. Larry gave the best definition of this. Offense is simply this. <clears throat> An offended person, once they once loved what they once loved, now they despise. That's an offense that's gone into the heart. So a cut is a more intentional wound. It, it, it is a hurt that is personal. The wounding seems very unfair. The pain is felt very deeply. We feel the cut when we suffer the consequences of someone else's selfishness and where they deliberately did something either to get even with us or just to do it whatever. Now, I've had some cuts in my life. I've had some cuts in the ministry. I remember the first time a real cut came to me. I was, I was 19 years old, and I went down and shared with my pastor a revelation that God gave me. I'd never heard it preached. This was, I mean, God gave me this in the prayer closet. And I went in there and I shared it with him. He said, you know what? He said, John, he said, he said, I'm not, he said, this, this, we're going to, you're going to preach this on a Sunday morning. I said, Sunday morning. I mean, he's, I just turned 19 years old. He gave me, not Wednesday, not Sunday morning. I mean, he's giving me Sunday morning service. So it was, um, it was a couple weeks later, I went by, I, I was, uh, I was helping with the youth. I was helping the youth pastor with the youth. And I come by, I just happened to go to the restroom or something, and I, was, and I could hear on a Wednesday night service in the sanctuary, and he was preaching the message that I told him about in his office. He didn't preach it half as good as I was going to do it, but he was preaching it. What do you think just happened? That wasn't a bruise. That was a cut. He intentionally took my message, my revelation, put it as his own, put it out before the people, and he never let me stand up on a Sunday morning and preach it. I had to deal with that. Because if I didn't deal with that, the pastor that I loved, the pastor that I had the ultimate respect for, all of that would begin to fade away in my eyes. All right, you with me? All right. The next level is an open wound. 
How many knows that an open womb is a whole lot different from a bruise and it is a whole lot different from a cut? Now, I will tell you this. I've seen a couple of open wombs in the natural. And one of the things that comes to my mind is I still got the picture on my phone of Jesse and I when we were doing that laundry room in my house and he cut himself with that Makita skill saw. That was what you call an open wound. That was not a cut from a case sod buster. This was a skill saw that went through his hand. And I'll never forget when we called Steve to tell him that Jesse cut his hand with a skill saw that he thought we might could do some tape on it or something, you know what I'm saying, without going to the hospital. And I was like, no, this, this is definitely going to have to be looked at. This was beyond a pastoral council session. I mean, I mean, I know I should have been like Peter when he reached up and healed Michael's ear, but I mean, I remember that hat. I still remember that. And then Jesse looked over and said, can you drive faster? I was running like 90 miles an hour down the interstate, and I asked him, I said, is your hand hurting? Now, he said, it's not really hurting that bad. He said, it's, but it's burning. He said, just, it's just hot. And he cut, he cut clean through with a Makita. It's the grace of God he didn't cut his thumb off. Went all the way through his hand. I mean, it was, it was, it was bad. And so he did it like at 1.15, and we hadn't had lunch. And I told him, I said, if your hand's not hurting that bad, let's pull on in the Cracker Barrel right here because it's going to be a while before we get in the emergency room. That's an open wound. An open wound that if he did not get critical care quickly, it could have led to the loss of his limb, the loss of his hand, possibly the loss of his life. Listen to me. There are open wounds that enter into us in relationships that if we don't get care quickly and apply it to the critical areas of our heart, we will lose those relationships forever. I just don't feel like I'm doing it justice, but I'm going to plow on, okay? You all right? All right. So an open womb is a major hurt lodged in the heart that cannot be treated just by our understanding or desire to change our feelings. The pain continues despite consciously wanting to forgive. In other words, I've, I've, I've confessed out of my mouth, God, I forgive, I forgive Catherine. I've released her of this. God, help me walk into forgiveness. But I cannot seem to overclimb the hurdle that every time I see her, something's happening in my life. If you're seeing people that you think you've forgiven and it causes an emotional response besides a good feeling, you've not forgiven. That's hard language right there, ain't it? If you got to go on the other side of the restaurant because that person's in the restaurant, you've not forgiven that individual. Come on, somebody. You're walking in forgetfulness, not forgiveness. God is leading us into forgiveness. When you do see the person and a joyous feeling arises out of your heart, you have walked and forgiveness is complete. I ain't got but 30 people that I've got, that I've got unforgiveness towards this morning, so I'm doing good. You with me? Huh? Come on, y'all. So an open wound is going to take critical care. It usually occurs when we have been hurt by someone who is unrepentant. Other words, not only is it an intentional, this person believes they had a right to violate you. They don't, they're not repentant over it. Has, any, has anybody ever had this to happen? You, somebody's done you wrong, and they don't even give a, give a rip that they've done you wrong. This is what creates the open wounds. And the open wound is usually something that has happened that now has a tap root and is turned into bitterness and it is lodged in the heart. I love David, man, how David wrote in Psalms, in, in, in Psalms 139, I think it is, where he said, God search me. He, he did not trust. He did not trust the man in the mirror. He trusted the Holy Spirit to search him and cut on the light 
and show him where the hidden stuff was in his heart. All right. We cannot dislodge growing roots of bitterness by ourselves. We must learn how to let the Lord rid us of the hurts that have taken root at a deep level. Forgiveness is not done until we take our hurts to the cross, giving our deep feelings to the Lord and, 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 and let, let him put them to death and restore the right spirit within us. In other words, Jesse wasn't going to have any use of his hand until he got seen about. The last thing that John Sanford writes about when it comes to wounds is this, unforgiveness is a crippling injury. Now, there are those, and I, I've been a pastor for a great length of while, and there are crippling injuries that happen to people. One of the things is, let me tell you how crippling injuries happen. One of the best pictures of this in the Bible is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is, is, is he's, he's a king's kid. He's in the safety of the palace, a nurse that was entrusted to take care of him. Come on, somebody. And then that nurse, when the news of Saul and Jonathan being slain in battle comes back to the palace, she takes off running with Mephibosheth, and she falls on him, and she cripples that child. Now, how people get crippled is by trusted leadership that they trusted their life to that done them wrong, by a dad that abused them. You, you follow what I'm saying? A mother that abused them. Yo, I'm just trying to tell you on a journey. Let me show you how our kids, how their spirit gets broken at a very easy and young age. I'm just giving you examples. Let's say, for instance, Asher spent all day working on a project, but I'm in the middle of a football game. It's college. It's game day, and the dogs are taking on Florida. You with me? And me not wanting to miss a play, I do not give him the attention that he thinks he deserves on that project that he spent all day that he's wanting to get that recognition from his father. When I do that, one by one, we are sowing those seeds into our children. You with me? So the crippling spirit are those that have been wounded by the hands of people that has been entrusted to them, whether that has been family members that have wronged them in, a, in, in, in some of the deepest ways, whether that be abuse by sexual, verbal, whatever. And a lot of times, people that are walking with a crippling spirit will no longer have a recognition of the actual incident that happened because they have forced it, blocked it out of their own mind. But at a subconscious level, that root is still in their heart, which is causing trauma in their adult years. All right, you with me? Bethany, you want to come right here? I'm going to challenge you. You want to come right here and get on the keys right here? We fix and be done. All right. So how do I know if, if unforgiveness is lodged in here? Does remembering a particular hurtful event trigger an emotional response? What happens to you when, 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 something, when something like that? I'm just telling you this. Isn't it amazing? And I'm not the only one. Isn't it amazing, especially at a place like here? You've got 30 years of ministry in this building, 30 years. Some of you have been here almost for the entire journey. And one of the things about being family like this is we know everybody's business. Y'all sitting here like, what's he talking about? We know everybody's business. Y'all know my business. We know, we know each other's business. So in order to make family work, we have to choose to walk in a lot of forgiveness. Some of us have matured now. You know what I'm saying? But Paul said when I was a child, I did childish things. What is childish things? 
Childish things is when you get mad, you take your ball and go home. But a sign of maturity is you'll face the person that you feel done you wrong. And you'll work through it in relationship. This is a sign of maturity is when we no longer play like that. But we choose to say, you know what, man, I I don't understand it. God chose me to put me in this tribe. What's one of the things that sold me to the leadership at Bethel? Not everything that they do. But when I watched Danny Silk preach maybe five, I don't know, it it was a long time ago. And he showed a video of his wedding. And 30 years later, all of those guys are still together. You know that they've, they've had tremendous problems. It's, an, it's, it's, it's impossible to do ministry at that level and not have conflicts and problems with different personalities. But yet they've chose to stick it out. Man, I feel the Lord on me right now. But in today's world where you and I, where covenant means nothing anymore, The church wants to move in all the kind of signs and wonders and we can't even get the little elementary things down to the feet that Hebrews 5 talks about. And yet we want to do signs, wonders, and miracles and bring revival and transformation when we can't even love our brother as ourself. Who are we kidding, friend? Jesus didn't say they'll know we're Christians by our prayer life. He didn't say they'll know we're Christians by how well I can prophesy. He said they'll know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. So I've not not modeled it perfect either. I'll be the first to say that that if we did an altar call, I need to be the first one on the altar. And so... So here's the thing. How, how do I know what's lodged? How do I know what's, what's, what's in my heart? Notice Jesus when he said, Father, forgive them. But after the resurrection, Thomas was hidden in fear behind the wall. Jesus walked through the wall. And he said, Thomas, it's for real. Put your hand in my hands. Put your hand in my side. He was unwilling to lie, who left him at the end, but he was unwilling to leave him in that unbelief. Sealed behind the walls. And this is where a lot of Christians are living behind the walls that they have built up over time and time and time again. And we come to church all masked up like, like Jacob trying to enter into Isaac's room to get a blessing because we can't believe that God would really love us the way we are. And what God is looking for is our own, as just our real honest answer of where we are. Just like Adam, where are you? God never lost Adam. What Adam did was lost where he was at. And he wanted to bring him to himself. I was amazed. I met with someone in their late 50s the other day. And they have, they're, in the late 50s, they have no true honest opinion of of where they're at. I don't want to live my life like that. I want my wife to be able to say, John, and she does. Now I add this. I always say that I got the Holy Spirit in me and I'm married to her. And she, you know, and what I used to, we would get, we would get fight mad. I'd get fight mad, just whatever. But I had to finally realize that there's some things that she was saying, even though they sound hurtful, she was saying it for my good. So what you got to understand, if someone says something to you that you don't like, you got to take into fact, does this person love me? Do they truly, they've been my friend forever. Maybe what they're saying is some honest words that I need to hear. 
So, so when, 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 when I'm around this person, is anything triggered in my heart? Is anything triggered in my heart? Is anything triggered in my heart? I'm just going to be real honest right here. That's all I know to be. And, and sometimes I can be a little bit too vulnerable. But I'm going to tell you something. If you go in my office, there's a plaque. And it says Cornerstone Fellowship of Ministries. There was a time that I wanted to burn it. But you know what? What happened is little by little, little by little, of choosing to walk the path of forgiveness, knowing I did a lot of stuff in my immaturity. You got to understand, when I came to this church, I was in my early 30s. I'd pastored for seven and a half years of church that we had planted. So I'd like to say it like this, we've grown up together. The growth that's in his life today was not here when I got here, and I'm not the same person that I am, and neither are you. You know what I'm saying? But I remember a national leader come in my office and said, you know what, John? Every time I come in your office, that bothers me, that little plaque you got. Let us get you this. And I was like, yeah, I went home and told Captain, I said, I can't believe this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there ain't too many people going to offer you, you know, I mean, uh, with cr credentials like that, it's just going to offer you some. Uh, I mean, because you put your stamp on it. Now, you can go get ordained on the Internet for $39. But it means something to me about relationship, know whose hands it done set you for. I've never went anywhere. I've always been sent. And so... But I, I, I went home and told Catherine, I thought about it. But I said, you know what? I couldn't choose my natural parents. And neither could I choose the tribe that God called me to run with. And now when I look at that, when I look at that, I was sitting with someone other, I said, it might not even be real anymore. And the person looked at me and said, no, it's real, John. It's as real as it's ever been. But there was, there was a two full years because of because I didn't deal with it. I'm trying to tell you my own my own mistakes. I didn't deal with it. I allow I allow things to grow deep in my heart. And then I would I, I remember saying something to I remember telling Junior this. Junior, you remember me telling this? Um, Lord, we the people's gonna leave. You remember telling you this? If if I could get any wish, you put two individuals in a cage out there and swallow the key and put me in there. How many knows that's not the heart of God? Jesus did not say, Lord, if you could do anything for me on the cross, Father, give me my pistol back. Did he say, Father, where's the sword that Peter used to cut Malchus? No one thief looked at him and said, if you be the son of God, call 10,000 angels, save yourself and us. But he knew this, if he saved himself, he could not save me. But he trusted that the Father, my God, I feel the Holy Spirit in this room, had his best interest at heart. Even when the Son refused to shine, he laid there with his trust in his Father, knowing that God would vindicate his case in time. And we know the outcome because the Bible said if hell would have known the outcome, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. 
They had a party for two nights for 72 hours, but on the third day when Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and found that the stone had rolled away, all of hell was shaken. Friend, come on, somebody. Because now he didn't just have to deal with one man. And Jesus now is not the only son of God. He's the firstborn among many brethren. And you and I now have been adopted as sons of God. And what was inside of him, that kingdom now, dwells inside of you and I. And now there's over, come on, there's millions of spirit-filled believers on the face of the earth. If the church just stood up in her authority, we would shake the planet, friend. So what happens when, what happens? Does anything trigger in my heart? Is anything going on? Does memory stir up another round of pain? When I remember, does it stir up another round of pain? If it's, the pain is there, I'm telling you, I'm forgetting, not forgiving. When forgiveness is complete, remembering, remembering the event will no longer cause pain. Does remembering hurtful events cause stress or physical reactions? The first time that I realized I was totally unaware, I hate to even say this, but I was totally unaware of the things with my with my past presbytery was so deep in my heart was I'll never forget pulling up the IHOP. And I scared Catherine. And and Piaz and Amanda was in the back seat of Catherine's car. And we was talking, and all of a sudden, I break, and I started crying like a little boy. And, I, and what was coming out of my heart was, they left me. They threw me out. And Catherine just looked over in amazement. You know what had happened? For two years, I had that mask in my heart. But that night, God reached down into the well and said, Son, I'm going to pull this out of you right here. I got to extract this just like a dentist would go in and extract the tooth. The Holy Spirit went in and extract. He brought to surface right there. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit, let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is always trying to bring to surface the hurt. Your flesh man is always trying to suppress the hurt. Listen, my God, this is so, thank you, Holy Ghost right here. The Holy Spirit is always trying to bring it up. Bring it up. Why? Because he wants you to deal with it. Your carnal nature is always wanting to suppress it. The battle between there is what we call anxiety. Oh, my God, that's good. The Holy Spirit is trying to bring to the surface, but the carnal nature is trying to bring it. Listen to me. I told Matt this right here. I'm going to preach a message on this. Anybody steal this? I know you got it from me. But there was a decree sent out by Herod. Herod was sent out, and the decree was to kill the children, two years and under, because he was trying to kill the Christ. You with me? Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. I'm going to preach a message about Herod being your carnal nature. And that carnal nature is trying to kill the Christ child that is being formed inside of you. That's why Paul said, man, I'm telling you right here, this is cooking right here with peanut oil. Paul said, I labor till Christ be formed in you. He wasn't wanting the immature Christ, the babe Christ to be formed in you. He was wanting the mature Christ to be formed in you.
And God is not building our lives, friend, this morning after, after the suffering Jesus. He's building your life after the resurrection Christ. The Bible says that, that John 7, 38 says, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This Jesus spake of the Spirit. For the Spirit of God was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. The Holy Spirit is looking at the drawing in heaven and he's painting your life after that. That's why the epistle of John says, as he is, so are we in this world, forgiven, whole, and resurrected in this life. That's good news. So listen right here. I'm almost done. Does the painful experience bring to mind anything for which God can be praised? This is where it gets tricky right here. Does the painful experience bring to mind anything for where God can be praised? This is where hurts get blamed on our Father. How many times growing up in the South, you know, Granny got cancer so that her children got saved? Hogwash. Come on, friend, I got to tell you the truth. That's absolutely religious garbage. God don't use sickness and disease to train anybody. The Bible I'm reading this morning says it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. It's when you deserve death, he give you life. Come on, somebody. When you deserve judgment, he gave you mercy. It's the goodness of God that turns us around and leads us to repentance. But what happens is this. I remember the night, Christmas Eve, really Christmas morning, I'm standing in Waycross, Georgia. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. My 49-year-old brother-in-law lays on a stretcher, dead. My sister looking, I mean, we're in utter shock. Their pastor was right there, and he was, he, I'm just telling you, he was speechless. We, everybody was. I mean, you, how many knows you just had a day of celebration, you're waiting, ready for Christmas morning, and a tragedy happens inside the family. I was shaken to the core. I wish I could have told you I went in there and grabbed a stretch and said, get up in the name of Jesus. I was speechless. But as we joined hands in the lobby, I said, I said, this is what I said. I said, we don't stand here hopeless. We stand here with a great hope. Because our Father in heaven is 100% for us. And he's a way maker. And he's going to be there with us even unto the end, regardless of what we go through. I never allowed the lie that's coming in and say, God swooped down and had to take my brother-in-law out tonight because he needed somebody else in heaven. God's got enough cherubs and seraphs. He don't need us running around doing nothing. Come on, church. But so many leaders has walked in in tragedy and said, God took them. How are you going to serve a body snatcher, church? He's a good father. And what I said, my sister said, well, did God tell you? I said, listen here, I ain't got time to weigh out all the theology. All I can tell you is we living in a fallen world. But I can promise you this, he never tasted death. He simply left this life into the next one. I said he never tasted death because to the believer, there is no death. Jesus said, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? Oh, my God, church, we got a great hope this morning. And I said, every day you go to worship God, this is what you do. Father, I don't understand, but I don't hold this against you. Bill Johnson teaches this. The mark of the maturity to the believer is not by how much revelation that he knows, but how much mystery that he don't understand, but yet he chooses to praise God. 
I don't understand what I'm going through, why this is happening. I ain't got no answers for it, but I know this, he's good. And I will never release that anchor of my soul. Come on, somebody. My soul is anchored in his goodness, whether we got money or we don't. Come on, somebody. If we, if we sick or if we whole, my soul will be anchored in his goodness. So is there anything in this that God can be praised? Well, sure they are now. My sister's seen the goodness and the provision of God like she's never seen. Oh, God didn't have nothing to do with that that night. But he was there the whole time. And every act of provision is his sign of goodness saying, I got you, daughter. Oh, I love you. <laughs> I'm so passionate about you. And I said, you just got to look how, learn how to let him be your husband in this season. Come on, church. Man, what I'm preaching about this morning is not easy. That's why a lot of people just come in here and tell you how to just live your best life. I'm not knocking Joel, it's a great book. But I'm telling you the life and the pathway to holiness is work. That's why not everybody's on it. That's why it's a narrow road to becoming whole in God because you choose to willingly deal with your own stuff. Every time I've ever got on my knees to pray about God straightening somebody else, first person he dealt with was me. I would go in there, Lord, you know, you know Steve has just got, oh God, Lord Jesus, help. And he's gonna be first thing he's gonna say is, what about that? Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. But you know one thing about his goodness is he never leaves me hopeless in that. Conviction is filled with hope. Condemnation is what's filled with guilt and shame. <laughs> I'm almost done. i got to be done right here, but i got to read you this verse of Scripture before I leave. Listen to this. Can the offending party be thought of with sincere wish that good things will happen in his or her life? Now, this is how I've prayed. Lord, I pray you give them a good meal but let bones be in it. Y'all ain't never prayed that. I know you ain't never did it. Lord, let them go to the beach. I can't find the condo. <laughs> let them get a new truck. And may it break down. Can you pray for that person and wish them the best? If you can't do that, then you're in forgetfulness, not forgiveness. The Bible says all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. I called Clay the other day and I was sharing with him of a leader that I hadn't talked to in some time, maybe well over a year, maybe close to two years. And I told Clay, I, I, I started crying, didn't I? I said, for the first time that I believe he honestly was proud for me. And I told Clay, I said, it was the best conversation of my day because I was honestly proud of him. That's forgiveness. And what's sad is I'm immature and it took me two years to get there. Man, listening to Todd White and how he says, I refuse to live offended is amazing. 
You and I have been forgiven of so much, church. It's the grace of God that I stand here and hold a microphone this morning and that alone. So can you pray for the person? Can you look at them knowing what they've done? I had someone steal $1,000 from me one time. I know they stole it. And I run into them at the store, the restaurant. They stole $1,000 from me. That's a lot of money. I don't care how much you took. You know, I mean, I at least bought some fishing gear, shotgun shells with it. They stole it from me. I saw them at a restaurant. I told the waiter, I said, give me their bill. Give me their bill. You know what I was doing? I was not going to allow that right there that I've already walked through. I'm not going to allow it to resurrect in my life. I said, give me there. Give me that bill. And what I found when I do that, buddy, God will bless the fire out of me. Let me tell you something. I ain't never missed a $1,000 that that person took from me. I can tell you that today. So can you pray for them and wish them the best? All right, listen to this. I'm done. Forgiveness holds no grudges and wishes no penalties of, retrib of retribution. It wipes clean the slate on which we formerly kept score and allows us to wish only the best for the person. Forgiveness restores love and promotes reconciliation. I'm going to read it one more time, church. Forgiveness holds no grudges and wishes no penalties of retribution. It wipes clean the slate on which we formerly kept score and allows us to wish only the best for the person. Forgiveness restores, love promotes reconciliation. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5, I'm closing right here with this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. Now, let me say this, too. I want to finish this last statement up. I've got to choose to forgive, but it doesn't mean that I don't set boundaries in my relationship. You with me? You jack up one of my children, you're not going to be over there eating with me at night, okay? But it doesn't mean that you're going to have to worry about if I'm going to gun you down at the convenience store. But it means that you don't have to worry about that. I mean that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not be like Damon. Remember, Damon used to preach and touch one of his kids. He said he could preach in orange jumpers just because he could have suit. He's going to have a revival in the jail. <laughs> you can set clear boundaries around your life and say, listen, here, there, I mean, this ain't happening no more like this. You understand what I'm saying? But I forgive you. And when I see you, I'm not angered by you. I don't wish, I don't wish you harm. I'll honestly look at you and say, I pray God's abundant blessing on you. Father, we love you this morning with our whole hearts. Just stay in your seat right there and raise your hands right here to receive this. God, I feel a grace come in this room. I'm telling you, I feel it in my I feel it in my heart right here this morning. All the plowing and everything was for this moment right here. God, give me the grace to walk in forgiveness. Help me, Lord. Some of you need to think back over your childhood and work through some things. I told you the story about me receiving that pulpit from my father, but I had to forgive him. 
And there's so many of the things that I hated that I saw in his life that I, I swear there, there seems like they, in my own life. But I feel like what give him access is my unforgiveness to some things. So, Father, today, let's pray this prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we choose the path of forgiveness. Help me by your grace to forgive just as you forgive me. I receive the grace to forgive in Jesus' name. Do you believe it? Give the Lord a great God bless you this morning. Listen, I asked him to share this story. I want to get. I want to give him opportunity to share this story. This was. I know that I prayed with him three years on these. Just stay right there. Y'all done thought y'all was off of work. Now listen, we pay for two hours. I'm cutting up with you. <laughs> As you get ready, we're going to take up the tithes and the offerings. But I want you to hear this powerful testimony of what God did for Cleve. Cleve, you share this right here. I thought you was letting me off the hook. Um, I think I probably told this story before. Um, you guys may have heard it before. Um, what was what was the statement that you said you said just a second ago? The, the Holy Spirit continually tries to push it up and bring it up but our flesh continues to just to keep something down um, I went through a situation um, um, I know this lasted for four years um, at least uh, most of you guys know I work in the school system and my positions voted on every year by our local school board and um you know, one of the uh, school board members, without without saying a name or anything, we we just we had a disagreement on something. I mean, and and the the thing was is that um, looking back on it now, um, you know, when you asked me this morning, that you texted me and you said, um, "Can you share this?" I, I, I really had to get my thoughts back together on this, and that that's, that really shows me that there there has been um, true forgiveness. And um, so we had a disagreement, and um, about about June of every year, my position is voted on, and it still is. And um, this this school board member um, he started voting not to rehire me. And um, this happened for about three years, and um, you know it was, it was, um, it was to to be to be blunt, it was embarrassing. Um, you know, I made the front page of the newspaper every every week. It happened, um, and you know, all all rehires except for one. I mean, that kind of deal. It hurt my pride more than anything. Okay, it hurt my pride, and. Um, you know, it got to a point of uh, it, it, it affected me tremendously, not just the upcoming month or so prior to the vote. It started affecting me daily. I mean, it, it, it affected me daily to the point of I despise this man. And 
I know that I know that that that's not God's will you know human beings are going to have disagreement and it's it's our responsibility to make things right between them and um so on about the the fifth year I, I think it was a I think it was the fifth year we had a school board member that was not at a meeting and this vote went to two to two and I didn't get rehired that night and they had to have another uh, school board meeting the following week so that the fifth board member was there to um, to to get a majority vote um, so I went I went a week without being rehired and this was during the time that that um, that we were praying early in the morning it was the summertime and um, you know after it happened um, I showed up to pray that morning and man it was just an an un, unbelievable presence that was that was on me. And um, I text I text that man that morning and I said, I, I need to sit down and talk with you. And um, you know, for about four years it was a uh, I mean, we would walk by each other and not even speak. I mean it, it got it got really bad and it, it, it just it changed me big time. Um, to say that my heart had, had calloused was not only did it affect me and him but it affected a lot of other things also um, so I text him and I said I, I need to sit down and meet with you and um, he texts me back a little while later and says okay I can I can do it today after lunch I said alright and um back up uh, the 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 feeling of um his his presence was just so strong on me that day and we met at we met at my office at my school and and I took everything everything off of my desk clear table because that's what I wanted it to be when we left and everything put out and it to be washed away so can I tell you that the this wasn't a this wasn't a one-way deal okay I offended him and immediately the negativity negativity come from 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 me and I, I was as 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 guilty as the other person okay so um, we come in and we sit down and we start talking and I said man I said I know I have offended you and I'm here to make things right and can I tell you guys that what I done was it was it was a minor deal it, it was very minor but what something real minor turned into I, I'm it affected me for five years five years over 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 a small situation and can I tell you that we made things 100% right that day we did we we left that meeting 
Both of us felt good. We made things right with one another. A week later, um, I passed on a 5-0 vote. And since then, that has continued to happen. But, but the unforgiveness that I had, I mean, it, it just, it affected not only my, me and him, it affected, it affected me next, very negatively in, in other relationships as well. Um, but it's like I just told Pastor, you know, when, when he texted me this morning to ask me to speak about it, I really kind of had to get my thoughts together on the, on the whole deal is, you know, his, his, the, the forgiveness is the, the feeling, the overwhelming feeling, um, I really can't even explain to you. I really can't explain to you, um, how good it was. And, um, man, I just, uh, I thank the father for it and, um, I hope that helps someone. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of the testimony. Lord, I bless the people today. As they leave here and they go to their families. Holy Spirit, bring up the areas that we need attention. Bring up the areas that we need to work. That we need to walk in forgiveness in. In Jesus' name. If you will, stand up right here and get your tithes and your offering ready. I'm going to pray over that. <clears throat> Listen, we got next Saturday on April the 10th, we're going to be leaving to go to an event for the, for the youth. If your child is between 14 and 19 and they want to go with us, I think Trenton's reached out to several we need to know if uh, you want to do that. So, Trent, wave your hand right here. You need to get with him. If you want to go with us next Saturday, it's a night of worship and fun. And um, Pastor Chris Musgrove is going to be there with Future Now. And so we want to encourage you on that. And so we've reached out to several. If we did not get you, please forgive us. It's not intentional. It's unintentional, I can assure you. And... Um, so take your bruise to the Father and get with us today, okay? <laughs> Let's pray over tithes and offerings. Father, we just thank you for the blessing of God upon our lives, upon this region, upon our families. Father, we ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you will, bring your gift this morning. We'll see you. Don't forget to tune in Wednesday night, and we'll see you guys on Sunday morning. We hope you enjoyed our weekly message. Thank you for joining us. We want to connect with you. Please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc where you can find our social media information and directions to download our smartphone app. This will keep you connected to all things Cornerstone. We pray that you have a wonderful week.